welcome to the sanctuary a safe space to speak from the heart i'm your host israel my guest today is the owner of hookline tinker laurie dolhan thanks for coming to the sanctuary today thank you so much for having me it's it's a pleasure okay first off i want i know you're really busy because like while we're talking you said you were you were actually working on new designs new patterns right New patterns all the time. So I'm always working <laughs> on something new. And I have two that are being released, uh, well, within days. So I'm really excited about that. I just started putting teasers out about what they look wow. like. So so yeah. how do you, how does you, like, where do you get the idea for the inspiration for the designs from? Well, it's a bit like um, a bit like a funnel. So there's like the millions ideas of ideas that I have all the time. And so I'll, sometimes I'll write them down. Other times it doesn't happen. Sometimes people suggest them, but then it like trickles down into this this funnel until I finally land on a few. And then I come up with lots of designs that never actually make the cut. So I'm pretty much designing all the time, but my ideas are usually based in nature. So I like, you know, things relating to woodland and woodland creatures or nautical themes. Um, generally, just things that I find interesting. I'm not really too narrow in focus. I I like, yeah, I basically I create patterns that I like. Mm, mm. Um, so let's rewind it. How did you get into embroidery? Well, I've made lots. I mean, I've crocheted, I've painted, I've, you know, done lots of different types of crafts, but embroidery was the one that I finally landed on because it didn't take up a lot of space. It was really flexible and creative. I could have a lot of creative control over it. Mm -hmm. And I found that I really liked that movement of like the needle going in and out of the fabric. I found that very relaxing. So once I started doing that, I just, mm -hmm. I fell in love with it. And it didn't happen like the very first time I stitched because the first time I stitched, I was, you know, I think it was in grade six and I, I was in home economics and I had a very enthusiastic teacher try to teach me. And at the time I thought, I am never in a million years going to use this. This is a complete <laughs> waste of my time. And now here I am owing, you know, big apologies, you know, back to those early lessons because it really did provide that, that foundation for everything that I'm doing now. Mm. And okay, so home economics and like, I'll never do it. When you did all these things, painting and stuff, you landed on embroidery and found out like it, it was just the right fit. Um, when did you go from something you like to do to a business? It was almost right away. Like it was oh. almost instantaneous. So when I first started stitching, I was stitching um, actually on fabric that was already like patterned fabric. And I, I found these little you know, this little nesting dolls. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll decorate them with little kind of fancy stitches and then I'll mm. make them, you know, I'll kind of stuff them and make them into ornaments. And mm. that was, that was the jumping off point because I started to look for patterns and I couldn't really find anything that fit my aesthetic. Cause I'm not, mm. I don't really like things that are very cute. I like things that tend to be, um, 
you know, just a little bit more modern. And when I couldn't find what I wanted, I was like, well, I guess I'll just start designing my own patterns. And so that's what I did. And as soon as I started doing that, I knew right away that I was going to start selling patterns. So oh. it was one of those things that wasn't like a big, oh, you know, I'm doing this for a really long time. Um, you know, the hard part was just kind of figuring out how to actually do it. And you know, how did course, you actually do it? It took forever. Like when <laughs> I first started, it was brutal. Cause I thought, how am I going to transfer the pattern onto the fabric? It mm -hmm. was, um, not an easy kind of quick fix when I, even when I was first doing it myself, I, I had made like my own little light box using like a you know, like a bulb in a box with a piece of glass on top. And I was tracing <laughs> and I was like, well, I am uh, certainly not going to be doing this all day. Yeah. And I didn't have the patience to wait to like ship patterns out and like wait for them to come back on pre-printed mm -hmm. fabric. So that part actually took me a good six to seven months to mm. figure out. And people and... ask me about it all the time. And I think, oh, maybe I'll share it. And then you know, I don't know. I'm like waiting for that moment of like, you know, sharing it with the world because I do do it in my own studio. So that could be that could be coming out. But people often are like, well, I'm thinking about doing this. Please tell me all your secrets. And I'm always like, oh, please put in a little bit of work. <laughs> Just a little bit. I want to help. I really do. Um, so it's one of those things I've really struggled with. But yeah, we print everything in studio. Uh, so... And that was the hardest part. That's the hard part. And then taking something and saying, okay, well, I'm going to make it simple enough that I can communicate it to someone else that they can replicate it. Because mm. that's the other piece. It's like you can make something, but how can you help someone else um, be able yeah. to actually duplicate it? Yeah, that is a skill I don't have. I'm that person that will be like, oh, do like this, and then I'll step in and start doing it. <laughs> so that's one skill I don't have at all. Uh, but how did you figure that out? You know, it's funny because when I moved here in Nova, to Nova Scotia back in 2011, but before that, I lived in the Yukon and I worked for that is, the, that's the super cool part of Canada. Oh, it was it was amazing. That was where I very first like fell in love with Canada because when I first, oh, wow. oops, sorry about that. Um, when I very first, I'm originally from New Jersey, so when I very mm. first came to Canada, I spent the summer in the Yukon and I fell in love with it. Is there summer there though? Like, does it ever get warm there? It is warm. In fact, there was one summer that was like the hottest in North America. Like it was, oh. it was insanely hot and there were lots of fires. So it was really smoky and oh. people went like crazy because it was so hot. It was really weird. Okay. But, um, you know, so summers are warm and it's daylight the whole time, which is take something of getting used to but then winners are the <laughs> yeah. opposite because then it's like it's minus 50 and it's dark and it's really cold um you know but it's it's really unique it's a very culturally diverse region which is kind of a surprise to most people but i find that it's very culturally diverse mm -hmm. and more way more so than nova scotia i feel uh it's just like this tiny little microcosm of with bursts of the, these like amazing people doing really innovative and creative things 
Um, yeah, but it was that last winter. I was like, I'm super done. I really need some sunshine. <laughs> the vitamin D was not cutting it. But um, when I worked in the Yukon, uh, my, my last actual job that I held there, I had a brief but glorious career in government where I worked for family law programming. And I designed the, the well, how to get your own divorce, how to like apply for child support orders and varying orders and all of those sorts of things. So I had to take, you know, something that was a very complex process and then drill it down in a way that was... Um, well, easy to follow from anyone that someone could pick it up and follow it. So mm -hmm. I use that same type of mindset, like, you know, when someone is looking something and they haven't done it before, what do I need to say to help them kind of understand what they need to do? So mm -hmm. that I think is actually the strongest skill set I brought into designing the kits was, mm -hmm. you know, can someone else replicate this? Like, how yeah. can I sim make things simple? So yeah because you know if i buy anything and i can't make it or make it at least full or have a set of instructions that are like easy enough to follow and then when i follow in the instructions i get this awesome finished product uh hook line and tinker might not be what it is today so like you're you know originally from new jersey in the united states and like you you'd think you'd move to this side of canada like but you moved to the other side of canada all the way to yukon um like was it for the job no it was for like the first time was for a man and then the second time was for a man. so i went there for the first Lori. time long time ago some guys like hey you want to go to the yukon with me and i'm like sure let's go <laughs> so so at that point i was young and i just like decided i was going to go on this big trip and i went for the first time and then mm -hmm. it just kind of you know it really kind of gets in your bones so i mm -hmm. left and came back multiple times and then oh, i was wow. back I was back in New Jersey and I had a friend that said, oh, I just hung up the phone with Trevor. You should give him a call. And next thing you know, I'm in a long distance relationship with someone that I had met, like I've been friends with in the Yukon. And then mm. two years later, you know, I'm a 90 day fiance moving back and getting married. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Uh, if you were not TV show, what would your episode have been like? My episode would have been like, did not bring enough warm pants. Water's freezing. <laughs> <laughs> she is so cold. Did not pack enough warm pants. Yeah, I moved. Um, when I moved up there, I was actually supposed to be crossing the border on September 11th. Oh, and oh, that year. Like that was the year. year. It was 2001. I was supposed to be crossing the border and ended up delaying my trip by three weeks. Mm. Um, otherwise, I would have been stranded there at the border. Mm. But, you know, that was the that was the time. I, my application was so far along that it was easier for me to get in. But wait, you were like, New Jersey is just around the corner from like where it happened. Like, how was that experience for you? Um. I still, like, I remember it vividly. Like, I remember the moment where somebody's like, oh, you know, a plane hit the towers. And I remember thinking, oh, that's such a random thing. And then they said two planes hit. And I was like, wow, that's doubly random. And they're like, don't you think it's a little too random? And then, because mm. you don't want to, re you know, think about, like, what's happening. But mm. they often don't portray... And they didn't portray, you know, what we saw, like driving down the road and seeing gas stations vandalized and 
Um, you know, there was just a lot of fear around that time that followed the event. You know, they closed mm. bridges. They were like, oh, there were explosions you know, explosions here and there. And none of it was actually, you know, true. It wasn't really happening. But, you know, people were really scared. And when I, um, you know, when I, you know, and it was right around the time that I was immigrating. So I really was kind of thinking about, um, you know, it was very kind of like front of mind, this whole idea of, of what does it actually mean to be at the time? Does it mean to be American? You know, like I wrote an article and it was published, this whole idea of, you know, if you say that we're a country for all peoples, then, you know, there are there are people that are out there that are um, obviously set to do harm, Mm. but you can't just discriminate against an entire population, an entire color or shade of people based Mm. upon because there was no... You know, it didn't really matter where you were from. It was based on color. And so Mm -hmm. it was it was a very challenging time. And I would thought at the time I was like, should I be leaving? What does this look like? Um, And then I was up in the Yukon where it felt so far away from it that it was. um, Yeah, it was like it was like going to a different planet altogether. Mm -hmm. So that whole like and coming back to it, I mean, obviously, people really did come together at that time after the fact, but it, it wasn't all people. So mm. that's one of the things that I really take away from the experience is that, you know, there's, there's what's shown to the world and then there's what was happening behind the scenes. Cause you know, back in the day we didn't have those iPhones capturing pictures of things. So it mm. was, it was, there was a lot happening that, you know, we still don't really talk about behind the scenes. So mm. that wasn't particularly awesome. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for sharing that, Lori. Um, you know, so you go to Yukon, get married. Um, did you do the hook line thinker? Like, did it start in Yukon or was it, um, like not the business itself, but just, you know, embroidering for yourself. Did it start in Yukon or only when you moved to Nova Scotia? It was when I was here. I mean, I was here in Nova Scotia. I mean, the very first year that I moved to the Yukon, I crocheted seven blankets no, 10 blankets. They were all seven by okay, seven. Yeah. So we I, was it. just, super cold. I was just constantly, but you know, I was like, I should make a house cozy, but I, um, I'm a very high anxiety person. So I have lots of anxiety. So I find crafting really helps me stay, stay calm. Um, most of the crafts that I had actually done ended up being very expensive. You know, like you take lots of lessons, you have to like invest in all kinds of materials and that was when I, you know, like when I started embroidering, it was really only, I think, back in 2016. So it hasn't mm. been really that long. I had started, I kind of played around with it for a year and a bit, and then I launched, launched Hook, Line, and Tinker. So there wasn't like a huge amount of time because mm. I actually find that the lear- learning curve when it comes to embroidery is really short, which is one of the oh. best things about it. Like, you don't have to be fancy. <laughs> well, fancy. I, I, especially on your instagram they look amazing and if i'm making something like that i want it to look uh you know as close to what i'm looking at right you know it's interesting because so many people are like i want it to look exactly like that and then there's other people that look at the pattern and they just like 
we're going to add lots of color. We're going to change up the stitches. I'm like adding paint. Like, people do all kinds of things. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah. you know, it can be exactly the same or, you know, you can be really creative. Mm. I find that even when I look at my own work, depending upon how I'm feeling that, like in that moment, you know, mm. you find that if you're super anxious, you're, you know, everything gets kind of like tighter and bunchier. And if you're relaxed, mm. super relaxed, things get really loose. Mm -hmm. You know, it really depends on, it's never going to be exactly the same. Even when I stitch things multiple times, there's always, they're always a little bit different, mm. which mm. is why it's always a bummer when I lose my samples. Cause then I'm like, oh, my print oh, stuff yeah. doesn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 okay um yeah you start you jumped right into it right away were you like did you have like a storefront or was it online how did that I, happen i just posted on etsy so i was like okay it's like super low risk i have been listening to this podcast called um side hustle school and it was like yo you know you don't need to make like a big investment you don't need to do a lot just like try things and i had already had businesses that failed so i was like hey what's the worst that could happen right <laughs> So I spent what, what like a hundred of the previous businesses you had. Um, I started a business where I was like, Oh, let me connect freelancers with opportunities and threw like a ton of money into it. And it totally failed. And then Wait, that's, I, that's actually not a bad idea though. Theoretically, theoretically, okay, the execution so what was difficult like, about it. Like, did you like build something or. Well, you know, you build a website, but I'm like not a super technical person. So for me, it was like, oh, I had the concept and can I put people together and make it happen? But oh. it takes a lot to actually, you know, gain that buy-in. And I really wanted to like increase transparency when it came to like hiring through government and, you know, those sorts of opportunities. And needless to say, it was a big flop. So, you know, I was like, okay, let's just see, you know, what it's like to... You know, I partnered up in another business and then that business didn't work. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to get a traditional job and that is going to free me up to be calmer, to like have better quality family life, stability, you know, income stability. And at that point I was like, I am just not going to be self-employed again. Oh. So that's what I thought in that moment. It was like, you know, I am going to like settle in. Mm. And I realized how did not, I, like how did you feel to get to that point where okay you know I'm just gonna go do the nine to five thing. It was a really hard transition at first, and mm. then I thought it was a really fantastic company that I could, you know, there were B Corp certified, so like really ethical, and I could feel good like kind of committing my energies into a company that created good in the world. So mm -hmm. that was a that was the best fit that I could find. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Like my father was an entrepreneur, my grandfather on my mother's side, you know, I've got all these relatives like my godparents were entrepreneurs. And so, you know, it's kind of you know, I grew up in the family business and this was a piece of me that I really, I realized that I had to acknowledge mm -hmm. and I thought, okay, I'll just do a little something so that I feel like I have some, you know, some project where I feel I have creative control. Mm -hmm. And that was when I started hook, line and tinker. So mm -hmm. the creative aspect gave me an opportunity to feel like, okay, I'm making something, I'm engaging with people. Um, and it made me feel more creative overall. Mm. Then 
But then once it really started to take off, you know, all of those skills that I had kind of built over time of growing up in a family business, I thought, well, you know, my son needed to be homeschooled for a year. So I was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to like, we're going to like, we're going to go for it. And, you know, I replaced my income almost immediately once I started working, you know, from home and, you know, homeschooling. And then the following year, you know, he went back to school and, um, then I just, you know, I've just been going for it. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in this. I love it. It's paying the bills. And now I've been able to hire staff. And so it's, uh, yeah, I just, I never want it to stop. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. No, no, that's a great feeling, you know, to go from, man, that's like, okay. So there's a trick that filmmakers or writers do and um you you take your you know your protagonist and then you make the worst possible thing to happen to him or her and then when they are right down at that thing like you know something and if you're really good at it you're going to make this person actually do it themselves right you know like some not so good films have some God stretch their hand and yeah. help the person. But if you really want to do it really good, you make this person find a way and then get back up and everyone's ah and that is what you do. Yeah. Suffer a little bit. You know, they have to be right in the pit before they pull themselves up. Yeah, yeah. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like I'm watching this hook line and sinker film. Like the film is called Hook Like and Sinker. And it's this lady, and then she moved to this super cool part of Canada, and then she moved here, and then she did all these businesses and all this, and then she found her thing, and it's this thing that she loves, and this thing just like you know, led to all this anyway it's a great story i love it i love it i love it so you did etsy um and then where like where did the growth lead to from etsy so when i posted on etsy i sold immediately like, they <laughs> sold so fast that i was how, like, how did that feel how i didn't even feel? realize they had sold i was like this is great but now i'm terrified because now i have to take what I've made and send it to someone and just really hope that they love it. Like Mm. really hope. So my very first sale went to Ireland Mm. and it was, it was, you know, nautical themed. So I totally get that because that's what all the original patterns were. They were all nautical. And Mm. then the next one went to Nebraska and I was like, whoo, this is a thing like Nebraska. (laughs) This is weird. You know, nautic. if you want some sea themed stuff and I mean, I can't blame you. I mean, I love the ocean. Right. Um, so I sent the stuff to Nebraska and then Mm. I spent some money. So I'm like, okay, I made a little bit of money. Now I'm going to spend some money. So then Mm. I started to like kind of upgrade things a little bit. Um, and then I signed up and I, it was right, you know, around the crisp leading up to Christmas season. So I was like, oh, you know, I'll sell it a few, a few craft shows Mm. and they were doing well. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then in January, I got my first wholesale request. And I was like, oh, now this is interesting. Like, I don't know Mm. what this looks like. I'm like still feeling like a complete baby business. Mm -hmm. Um, And then two days later, I got another one. And I was like, oh, okay. So going back and rethinking everything, it was really, Mm. you know, it's, and as a business owner, sometimes it's hard because people give you ideas all the time. And it's hard to know which ones to say, I'm going to, I'm going to say no to this one, but I'm going to take this one. 
-hmm. you know, and when those wholesale opportunities come in, you have to like rethink your whole pricing strategy and, you know, rethink your marketing and your packaging and all of that sort of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But once I actually, you know, kind of went in that direction, I still almost like, you know, 80% of my sales are actually wholesale sales. So I sell lots to independent shops and it's been a ride. Like this last year has been, I mean, independent stores have really had it. They've been through it this year. Um, so, you know, being able to, you know, provide a product and for me to be able to like, you know, mm -hmm. help meet the need that was growing where people were staying home and trying to make things. And, mm -hmm. um, but like, they're the ones that I love those independent shops. I shop mm -hmm. independent as much as often as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, but they are just like the whole backbone of our economy. Like they're mm -hmm. the ones that, you know, they hire people and pay fair wages. They're looking after the environment. They support independent makers and anything I can do to, you know, try and, you know, support them is mm -hmm. like, that's really what my focus has been in the last year. I even shut down my own website for a period of time to say, don't buy from me. Here's a list of stockists. Go buy from them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know, that's a great part to actually talk about this because something that comes out in your captions, on your website, pretty much, you know, everything that has to do with you and Hook, Line, and Tinker is like, you know, you, you're all about the environment and all about giving back to the community. And, and like, was that something that was installed in you growing up or when did that become a part of you and, and what you do? So... Yeah, that's really, it's, it's interesting because I've been volunteering basically since I was old enough to volunteer. So I always had this kind of part of me that cared about what kind of impact I, when I was really young, I thought I was going to grow up and become a nun. Like all the way up until puberty hit, I thought that's what I was going to do. I saw the trouble with angels with like Sally Field and everything like on Saturday afternoon at one point. And I'm like, I'm going to grow up and be a nun. And that didn't happen. But I was like, I really yeah. like giving back um, yeah. and being involved in community and being mm. um, just kind of being the best that I could be. Mm -hmm. That was always there. The business side, like, you know. I mean, I'm 37. So like back in the day, you know, business was all about the money. So I grew up in, you know, in a business atmosphere that was very much about making, making dollars. So it wasn't necessarily about caring for employees or environment or giving back to community. So it's almost like there were these two separate pieces of me. And when I moved to the Yukon, I realized that I could actually work in nonprofits and earn a living, um, which was a, that was a big transition point for me. So I did mm -hmm. that a fair bit and then, you know, worked in government, but moved when I moved to Nova Scotia, I was like, well, I still have these two pieces of me. And then I discovered ethical business and corporate social responsibility. So that's where like all these pieces started to actually come together. This idea mm -hmm. that I could actually run a business. It's not necessarily a social enterprise, so to speak, mm -hmm. but you know, it's as good as I can make it. So if, you know, I believe that if every business did its part to look for, you know, to look after the environment and give back to community, we would have a completely different world. Like it would just be very 
different. Um, mm. You know, I don't necessarily think it's capitalism, but this idea of, you know, like selfishness, I guess, in a way, you know, of hoarding, you know, commodities, of hoarding um, money and of not being respectful of, you mm. know, your employees and what your impact is. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why I really want to be B Corp certified this year, because it's like, you know, you go through the B Corp certification process, which is, you know, the international standard for ethical business. You know, they look at, you know, your corporate structure, your treatment of employees, your impact on the environment, mm -hmm. you know, what is your involvement with community? And you put all of those pieces together and then I'm like, okay, well now I can feel a heck of a lot better about what it is that I'm doing compared to like, you know, my measurement is in how much I give. That's where I determine what the success is as opposed mm -hmm. to like, you know, how mm -hmm. much money do I have in the bank? So it, when you see things, you kind of flip, you know, your priorities around, you know, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier for me to, you know, to work really hard and long days and <laughs> then come home and hit that pillow hard because when I wake up, I know that what I'm doing is actually making an impact. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. You do that and like, you know, you stand at this shiny example because there are, there are people that have, Actually, I'll just say, so, you know, last year, uh, COVID happened and, and everyone's staying at home. And then we collectively, as pretty much humankind, watched someone get killed right in front of us. And then all the, everyone just went nuts, you know, Black Lives Matter, uh, my company supports this. But then if, you know, you just sit down and just analyze things that most of these companies said, it's like <laughs> they're saying one thing and then their actions are like not matching what they're saying. And it's so refreshing to seeing someone that's like seeing something and what they're doing actually matches what they're saying. So first off, you know, I, I, I respect you doing that. And I'm really, really grateful that you're doing that. Um, and you know, so, uh, you know, way you're kind of doing what nuns do. <laughs> well, if you think about it, like, I think people are like, maybe some of these businesses are afraid that, you know, if you take a position, then you're going to alienate, you know, a certain percentage of your customers. And like, I get the fear because like, sometimes I still have the fear too, but in the end, it's like, you know what, if I'm my authentic self, then mm -hmm. there are people out there that are going to like, that are going to connect with that, mm -hmm. you know, and then there are mm -hmm. people that aren't, there are going to people that are going to, you know, completely run away. And, and I've had that too, you know, people are, sometimes people have more time to kind of spew hate than they do any love. And, you know, and I feel bad for them because I'm like, you know, you're just, you're not, yeah. you're obviously not in a very good place. Yeah. So, you know, being able to kind of be a values-based business is it's you know it's a lot of work and then it's not because it's like it's easy I think it's easier to actually care than to not care mm. but that's just that's just me I mean yeah, I feel but... like when we you know if you have any kind of a bone of empathy in your body you know you have to actually feel that um, you know feel for other people and when we shut that down I think that's more hurtful mm. Mm. Yeah, it is. 
<laughs> anyway, <Sorry. laughs> again, no, no, again, no, 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 really. Thank you for doing important work you're doing. Um, so let's, you know, let's get back to, we're still on whole like a whole client and Tinker and this journey you've come on. You did the wholesales. Um, did you ever have like, uh, uh, classes, workshops? I've done them like, and I've done, a, you know, the thing with the workshops is, and I'm, I will be doing them again, you know, but there's so much work to, cause you're, you spend all your time really just filling the seats. So like doing that piece of it, I feel like it takes a lot of energy. Um, so, you know, and I like teaching, so I, hopefully I'll be doing that again in the future. But, you know, most of the workshops that I've done are actually directly working with, um, you know, women experiencing homelessness. So I've, you know, oh. a lot of my workshopping has been on a volunteer basis. So I've gone in and, you know, the, the one of the very first workshops that I taught, I was in, um, yeah, I was in, you know, one of the shelters and I was like, okay, we'll just, you know, stitch a word, just like draw the word on the fabric and then stitch something that speaks to you, that feels important to you. And one of the participants had stitched, you know, written and stitched the word welcome. And so I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> just a little emotional about it. But no, she's, you know, okay. she said that when she has a home, she's going to hang it up, you know, and that was really hard, you know. Um, and especially since, you know, in the moment I have to keep, I have to, you know, hold it together and not be emotional about it because I can't let her see me, you know, kind of go through that um, mm -hmm. because I'm there to be supportive and be respectful of where she's at. Um, but, you know, the honesty and, you know, that movement, that that's, you know, really where I've, I've enjoyed spending my time is, mm -hmm. you know, in a place with, you know, with people generally, you know, leading workshops where, you know, everybody should have access to a creative outlet, no matter mm -hmm. what. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, embroidery is really one of the things that I focus on, because it's mm -hmm. easy for people of any income level to be able to get supplies you know, inexpensively, mm. it doesn't take much money. Um, mm. And it provides a certain level of, you know, of peace. But, you know, that's generally where the new space will have a workshop space in it. I'm new hoping space. to like meet. New space. Oh, yeah. The, let's talk about new space. New space. The new uh, space. So yeah. we, we, we moved out of my basement where I've been living for three years, turning into a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> in the dark it's been it's been like you know it's been it was getting a little too cozy it's been um it was a big transition mm. and it happened very quickly basically i had been kind of thinking what is this going to look like what is the next level like you know we can't stay in this basement forever i need mm -hmm. more natural light like i moved from the yukon because i wanted light and now i'm working out of my basement <laughs> so i was like please let me have sunshine <laughs> and fresh air so um i like spontaneously found a place up the road that was like 12 minutes from the house and then i was like that's it we walked in and i said i'm i'm good we're we're, we're gonna take it and he's like Are you sure you don't want to go home and think about it and i'm like no i'm decided and he's like well i won't i'm not going to do anything until you come back tomorrow and i'm like oh no i'm i'm in so we have this new space and it's big and 
like echoey because there's like nothing in there. <laughs> but, um, you know, once we actually get everything right now, we're just settling in, but mm. we'll offer workshops and we'll have a little storefront and things. And that's coming. That'll be coming this summer. So I'm really excited about it and I'm about exciting other uh, inviting other makers to come in and teach as mm-hmm. well. So that's something that I'm I'm pretty, you know, it's it's great to be able to see people get excited about making and being able to witness that firsthand. So mm. that's something that I'm that's something I always enjoy. Yeah. No, that that is that is awesome. That is awesome. So, um um, between now and when you open in, in the summer, what are some things left to do in this space? Oh my gosh! Well, right now it's pretty. There's like, there's you know, there's there's shelving. There, right now there's like pot, stacks of boxes and things still on the floor. So there's there's lots of paint to be happen happening, and I want to paint a mural. So I'm like oh. excited that I get to actually do some paint stuff too. Um, Wait, you will paint the mural yourself? Is, is this I'm going to. Plan? Yeah. I'm excited. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, I just, sometimes I find it like, because I'm stitching all the time, changing mm-hmm. it up and doing something else actually helps you be more creative. So, mm-hmm. or at least it works for me. So I find I still like to do different things just to shake things up. Otherwise you get static and mm-hmm. When you get static, no ma- no magic. It, it, the mm, magic just like mm, dies. Mm. So I'm still trying to, you know, find new ways to kind of express myself. Yeah, no, that's great. Okay. Do you already have an idea of what the mural will be or? No, it's, it's <laughs> there. I have a feeling that, you know, one thing, and I, 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 I might be wrong about this, but a trend I'm noticing in your life is this, Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. And like, you, I never know what it's going to look like. like. Sometimes people are always like, well, what's the new collection? And I'm like, I don't know. It's something like this. And they're like, what's it going to look like? And I'm like, I don't know until it's done. Like, and then all of a sudden it's like, there it is. Because the process is so, it's like an evolution. So you start one thing. And because I, all of my stuff is designed to be able to, work with each other so it's like you know i have three patterns that are all blue three patterns that are all red so that you can put them together but then like the woodland collection i keep all the colors the same and harmonize so that if you do one it'll still hang with everything else and tell a story like Mm. so there i set certain limitations like in everything that i'm producing Mm -hmm. by color by like certain you know then you're still there are limitations relating to the type of stitches that i use and you know, how can you actually um, create texture using, you know, using stitches? So mm. there are lots of these limitations that actually enable greater creativity. But mm. when I get experimental, which I often do, mm. sometimes you don't know what it's going to look like. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I, I mean, I haven't, even I'm surprised. It's like, oh my gosh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that works. That's good. I like that. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, like, how do you now know that you're at that place, right? When it's like, okay, it's done now. Um, yeah, like generally I'll end up taking a few things away, but there's that Mm. moment, there's that moment where I look and I'm like, okay, that's done. And I try not to be, it's so hard to not like perfect, 
perfection i don't know i'm making to make up a word perfectionize yourself to the point where you're like you know you continue working on something and then it never actually happens mm. it's really a hard line between those ones you know that i work on where i'm like oh it's almost there mm. or i feel like it's done so mm. there are the number of patterns that I have created that have never seen the light of day is extensive, <laughs> you know, and I feel like it should be that way because it's, you know, you, you should make a collection of those things that don't see the light of day and call them the light of day. Yeah. Well, you know, I actually went ahead and I, for the very first time I was, I shared, I took a bunch of the hoops and I kind of like threw them out and I'm like, Okay, these are all the ones that never made it. These are the ones where like the color was wrong, the style was wrong, something was wrong with it. And then of course everybody's like, We want that one. No, like, the don't. one that was in there. And I was like I was like, Really? That's the one? Because like because the reason why that one didn't launch is because it was too hard for anyone else to replicate it. So that mm. I had to go back and revisit it, and that is one of the ones that's launching right now. I oh. finally did it. And yes, I consider yes. it done. <laughs> but it, it is, it's, you know, it's, it's always a challenge, you know, when you're creating something, knowing mm -hmm. when it's, when it's actually done. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because like the most popular like uh, patterns that I've ever made were the ones that I made last holiday season. And I'm not a typical like red and oh. green Christmas traditional mm -hmm. kind of person. So I made these like these blue, very kind of like abstract animals. And the first one was a horse and it was like based on the Swedish, like the Drala horse, right? But it's a little bit different. And so I made that one and then the dove came really easy. And then I was like, oh, you know, the first one is really hard. The second one's a little easy. And then within hours I had a reindeer. It was like, it was super fast. I don't know what happened, but it just, came together very very quickly top mm. seller the reindeer wow you know so it's like you never know you know as much as even i think there's certain ones that i love and they're going to be like the top and the number one mm -hmm. you know you never know until the audience sees it what they really oh. think and they were so different i didn't think anybody would like them but people loved them and i'm like super grateful yeah no man laurie you're so easy to talk to i'm having so much fun uh, and I don't want to let you go, but I can't but I, believe we're being humans talking to each other. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I want to let you. I'm going to let you go on this question. Um, so now you've taken this thing you love and you've built it into this business. Um, someone you know is out there watching, listening, um, and if you know are passionate about something. And they're thinking, okay, maybe there's, there might be something here. And they want to, uh, you know, start a business like you did with Hook, Line, and Tinker. Uh, what things would you like to share with them? So, as someone who's 47, when I was younger, did I say I was 37 earlier? I may have done that. That's what happens when you're 47. <laughs> <laughs> Back when I was younger and yeah. I was in school, there were no opportunities for at least at least I didn't feel like there was an opportunity to study art and have a career other than graphic design or like fine art. 
Mm. But now, you know, there are so many tools that are out there to help you connect with an audience. Mm. So if you create something that's of good quality, that's authentic, and that really adds value to someone, like something where it's going to make someone feel good or give them a sense mm. of creativity or beautify their home, you know, you can use tools like Etsy and, you know, Squarespace to build or Shopify to build a website and use social media. You know, there are lots of ways to go out there and connect with people who are really caring about independent makers. Mm. Um, that's been one of the best things that I've seen is this trend where people are actually looking to connect through story and through values with, you know, with people that are all over the world, just, you know, out there creating all kinds of things. Mm. And I hope that that trend continues because I think that it, it, it helps us be more connected with, um, you know, for me, I look around my home and I can appreciate the things that are made by other makers, especially those makers where I know their stories like this, you know, this was handmade, you know, you look at, you know, I can wear things where I know where they come from. I can decorate my home with them. There's things that I have that are like useful, like candles and soaps and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And I would say that there is a place for everybody. Like if you make something, you know, go ahead and test it out, see what other, your friends and family think about it, you know, put it out there into the world and, and just go for it. Like mm -hmm. no fear. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, one thing you should also do, you should have like this series of talks, like, you know, like every Friday morning, you know, you talk about, I don't know, just five minutes. Cause that was really like, I can hear like music playing in the background. And it's like, this is what you have to do. And blah, blah, blah. It's like, let's go and make it happen. Um, thank you so, so you much. You brought Mallory. this introvert. You brought this introvert out. So this does not happen very often. So this is a special <laughs> event. We should mark this on the calendar so I can celebrate <laughs> it next year. Cause this is more talking than I have done in a long time. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, Laurie, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for what you're doing with Hook Like and Tinker. And, uh, you know, I actually wanted to talk about your Instagram, but I'll I'll actually invite you back to just talk about your Instagram because holy smokes, it's it looks lovely. But I think to me, it's more about the engagement and the look and your engagement is nuts. <laughs> it's been it's been amazing. And, you know, I I'm like I said, I mean, I'm really, really grateful um, mm. because, you know, all I can do is be myself. And the fact that there are people that are out there, you know, that can kind of, I guess, feel my vibe, I guess, like I put this is this is who I am. This is what I'm creating. Um, and it's really nice to feel connected beyond you know my little studio here so it's it's lovely and then to get you know obviously i put my social media out there and you come out and you're like hey you know you want to have a chat so obviously something's something's working so I, i'm yeah, yeah it's pretty it's amazing working, it's working great thank you laurie and i can't wait to have you back thank you so much and i can't wait to tell you what we're going to do with our new space so mm -hmm.